My name is Joe Witte. I'm an entrepreneur, veteran, father, and proud team member here at Tag One. On Getting Transparent, we get to the people who are having an impact on our food and natural product supply chain, their stories, what drives them, and how they're making a difference. This is Getting Transparent, brought to you by Tag One. All right, welcome everybody to Getting Transparent. Quick reminder, last week, if you missed it, we had Mark Carter on, uh, president of MC Squared. Fascinating story, microbiologist, prominent expert in food safety, um, former CEO and the tech innovator in the food space. And uh, Mark shared his insights on uh, the FDA's new era of smarter food safety and their approach and how that's going to impact the food industry and, and really why he goes back to the community. But I couldn't be happier to... Um, have a friend of mine, Steve Platt, CEO of Bright Farms, who was previously the CEO at Icelandic Provisions, a longtime marketing and sales executive at, at Dannon, um, headed up the marketing group um, for multiple teams over there, MBA from Emory, and my classmate from Penn State, Army ROTC. Steve, That's it's right. great to have you. Great to be with you, Joe. Great to be with you. Uh, uh, it's an, an, an honor. I'll say it's an honor, Joe. Uh, likewise. So, you know, LinkedIn does amazing things. It's my favorite social media platform, one where people historically behave themselves. And, and, and there's a professional discussion, but I was like, Steve's the CEO of Bright Farms and I'm in this whole supply chain for food industry and he's over there and, and haven't spoken in 27 years or something crazy. Right. It's hard to imagine, but you pretty much look the same. I know you got the hat on, as you see, yeah, I've got a lot less covering hair up gray. some stuff here, you know. <laughs> um, so do you ever stop and say like, how did I get here? How did I become the CEO of this emerging innovative agriculture company? You know, I do. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm really blessed and honored to be working on this, uh, with this company with a great mission. Um, and you know, I took, I took, you know, I started like you in the army, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, learned leadership there, got into business and worked my way into the food industry. And I just have a passion for food and for health and wellness. And I just feel like at this time in my life, the mission of, of Bright Farms, which is a company started by Paul Lightfoot, fit really well with what I wanted to do. Uh, so I, I'm fortunate. I have a lot of gratitude. So talk a little bit about Paul. Like, How did he get started? What was his vision for the company? What were the big problems that he saw? Sure. I mean, Paul, Paul's a, you know, he was a supply chain innovator, um, and he really was looking at the food industry uh, and he found a system he looked at as a system that was really at odds with itself, and mm -hmm. especially the produce supply chain. You know, it has a lot of good intentions of people around feeding people in the world, but it's really unreliable. Mm -hmm. And if you dig into it, it's a toxic system. Um, it's centralized. It's vulnerable. You know, we have 40,000 grocery stores in the United States and they all rely on two locations, you know. Right. in uh, California and Arizona for all the lettuce and leafy greens. Wow. And the products intermingled, it's not traceable, and it's mm -hmm. a system that breeds foodborne illness. So yep. he saw that and he wanted to fix it. And he started working on it about 10 years ago and I joined him a year and a half ago. Wow. So, so talk about Bright Farms. What is it? How do you guys operate and what are you doing differently? Sure. Uh, well, Bright Farms, uh, we, we have hydroponic farms, high-tech indoor farms uh, that we have near cities. And so today we have four farms, uh, one in Pennsylvania, one outside of DC, one outside of Cincinnati, one outside of Chicago. And we grow lettuce, uh, leafy greens, herbs. And we, after, after we grow them with no pesticides mm. and from harvest to the grocery store, they're there in under a day. Wow. Uh, and so it's, it's fresh, it's local, it's grown by people in your community. And I think it's just a much better way to do things. Um, 
you know, you look at things that are all the 95% of the greens are brought over from California. Mm -hmm. They sit on a truck for over a week. They're sprayed right. with pesticides. Yep. Uh, and you know, we're just trying to, we, we think this is a better way to do it. Um, and now we're just trying to roll out farms, you know, across the country. It's, it's fascinating you get into, because I think there's a lot of innovation happening, not just on one level, right? You're, we're right. not talking about just growing in, in massive greenhouses, which, you know, you can see, see the one behind you, what, what, what one of your locations may look like, like how you grow it with hydroponics, the impact that has, I think there's, I'm sure supply chain innovation in there. Talk a little bit about some of the, the technology that you guys have sure. implemented or are implementing in order to change this broken food model. that's not only hurting us and what we eat, right? Like right. if we're eating salad to get healthy and inherently there's problems with it, that's bad. <laughs> if there's foodborne illnesses that could get us sick, that's also bad. And if it's harming our soil, um, if, if it's, you know, takes more, you know, um, yeah. fuel to deliver it from one place to another, that then, then that's a problem, you know? Yeah. So it's, talk I mean, about the you technology. Think about a, yeah. You think about a salad, it's the healthiest thing you can eat. That's right. And so, you know, if, it, but when you start digging into it, the system is not healthy for the planet. And I don't know, I don't know the stat, but it's like 80% of, 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 of lettuce screens, what you'll find pesticide residue on. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants that. Right. Uh, and, and greenhouses have been around for a long, long time in Europe. Um, but what we've done is we've brought them to the U S we're doing them at a much larger scale and with much more technology. But in the end, it's a simple process. It's sun, seeds, and water. And you grow, and then you harvest, and you ship it. And you right. get it to someone to eat it as fast as possible. Being someone who's been in the food industry a long time, I mean, the most important thing is it tastes better. So mm -hmm. you know, you're not just mm -hmm. convincing people about sustainability or about uh, health. It's about something that tastes better, it's fresher, and when you eat it, you can tell the difference. How does your operation scale, and what's your vision yeah. for scaling? I mean, right now, our largest greenhouse, the one we just built in Pennsylvania, it's, it's around four and a half acres under glass. Mm. Um, we're building a nut. So that's our fourth greenhouse. We're building a new one, that, which opens up in uh, in April down in, in North Carolina, mm. in the Asheville area. And then we have plans to build another one that can go twice that size up in the New England area in the next year. Uh, and, and so that's kind of, that's what's already under development. And then our next phase, our next plan that, which we're going to be starting on this year is for 30 acre greenhouses. So really big, Wow! but the, even these farms, you know, they're not going to take up more than 25% of, of the, um, of, of, of the demand that's, that's in a particular region. Uh, you know, tomatoes you brought up is interesting because a lot of tomatoes now are grown indoors and they went from, you know, about where the lettuce in, in lettuce businesses back in the nineties to, I think over 75% of, of tomatoes are grown in, are grown indoors. Now, mm -hmm. a lot of them come from Mexico. A lot of them come from indoor farms in Canada. What we're doing different is trying to do it local. So we're not, right. you're not in the back of a truck. Um, it just tastes different. You know, I think the seeds that when you, when you, when you grow something for logistics or you grow something to overcome the pesticide residue or something, it, the seeds are different. You're growing right. for a different reason. We're, we're trying to grow something that tastes, tastes good. That has, a heavy nutrient density. And that's, that's the objective. So you, you switch your goals and your objectives and you have a better product. So, so clearly there's a different vision and mission, which I'm sure right. impacts the culture. How does, how does this culture permeate with your team? 
but I like, I hate calling people employees, right? Because they yeah, just have yeah. different jobs. <laughs> um, and, and, and many people don't realize like when you're actually at the top, you're actually should be serving the people down yeah. below to do their yeah. job really well. Um, so, so how has that impacted your culture and, and, and the mission, um, as far as attracting talent, that type of thing? No, I mean, Joe, you hit it on the head there and Bright Farms is a mission driven company. Uh, our mission is all about making the, the planet healthier as mm-hmm. well as people. Um, and so we spend a lot of time talking about our mission, aligning to our values and our priorities that include sustainability and includes health. And I think because of this, we're all on the same page. You know, So as a leader, I trust my team. Uh, we're very transparent with information and we empower people to make decisions. And so you know, people don't come to work for a paycheck alone, you know, they come to work right. to make a difference and they, they believe they're working on something that's bigger than themselves. And so part of it is recruiting the right people, people who are aligned with our, I'm using like a really businessy term there aligned, right. Mm-hmm. But aligned with our mission and aligned with our values. Uh, and you know, when you talk to someone, you can, you can feel the passion they have for what we're doing or, you know, yep. Yep. if they are, they, they quickly become, you know, part of who we are. And I think it makes it easier, um, to kind of step back as a leader and just say, hey, my job is all about getting resources to people. My job is all about motivating people and taking care of people. And it's less about, you know, checking up and making sure that they're doing everything I'm telling them. Uh, yep. So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate in that way. The company had great values before I joined mm-hmm. and I felt fortunate. You know, a lot of times a CEO comes in and they have to help establish values. I could come into a company that I already felt, you know, a strong affinity to. And I felt really good about. That's great. Um, so describe your leadership style. You know, um, I, 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 I think, you know, I talked a little bit about this, but I think for me, it's around setting, setting the direction, making sure that everyone's really clear about the priorities and, mm-hmm. and what's important. So, you know, you said we have a mission, we have a direction we want to go, what needs to get done over the next, over the next month, over the next quarter, keeping people focused on those things, I think is, is the first thing I try to do. Then I try to listen a lot and make sure that I know what they need and I know what's blocking them from getting there and help mm-hmm. them get the resources that's needed. Um, and then lastly, just taking care of people. Uh, and I think that goes a long way. Uh, you know, you and I both kind of went through ROTC. We were both in the army and that's something I picked up there. You know, mm-hmm. the best units, our units where everyone's dialed in on the same mission yep. and, and, and the leaders are taking care of the troops <laughs> and they're getting them the resources they need. You know, it's not the caricature of the military where it's top down and you're giving orders and people are falling. People need to be motivated. And, right. and when people are motivated and on the same team, they go much further. You know, when I think about my ROTC or Army experience, in some ways, I I, I may equate it to um, you kind of get the rule book, right? You learn the plays. Now, you and I both know that there's a lot of bad leaders in in the military. And early on in ROTC, I was definitely one of them because I had different priorities, (laughs) right? Like I discovered... Discover beer and parties, and and those are more fun than putting on a uniform and 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 going to do PT at six o'clock in the morning. Full transparency, but that's the name of the show. No but doubt. eventually, you know, you go to advanced camp and you're kind of trial by fire, and you get confidence in things, and you learn about decision making, like being decisive, like building collaboration, and and you make. What's great about the military is it's a like trial by fire, microcosm, you get to do it over and over and over 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 again again. with people evaluating you 
and you get to see that worked. That guy did that really well. That's really impressive. That person didn't do it so well. And she rocks. And what did she do? And what am I not doing? Um, so you can literally cram in potentially like a decade worth of leadership experience in this small time period. Doesn't mean not everybody's going to get it. But I think if you're paying attention and have some level of self-awareness, you know, you can grow. So do you feel it's, like that had a big impact on on uh, on your growth in your career and 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 as a as a CEO? Yeah, I, I love the way you put that because you're 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 put under a lot of stress and you're you're doing things over and over again. You're getting evaluated. You're getting a lot of feedback. So if you listen, you'll figure things out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you also get a toolkit of ideas. Like I always love the the leadership thing where they talked about be no do. You know, a leader needs to have good character. They need to be technically competent, and then they need to take action. Uh, and so that's something that, that stuck with me. But I, I think just that you're constantly in front of people uh, and helping and, and figuring out how to lead. You know, you learn by your mistakes. Uh, and and in, in the army, especially your first job as a platoon leader, you're leading 28 soldiers uh, and NCOs right out of college. Right. Uh, you show up. You you know less than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I when I showed up at Fort Benning. And I sat down with my platoon sergeant. He worked for me, in air quotes. Mm-hmm. And I and I said, "Hey, you know, Sergeant Bolser, uh, you know, let's go through your objectives for your the year." And he goes, "My objective this year is to train you on how to be a good officer." Yep. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay." Uh, <laughs> he, he did. A, I think he did a pretty good job. He had a tough. He had a tough job, but he did a pretty good job. That, that, that's that, you know, that's the way the NCOs looked at it. They they wanted to train the officers to become great officers. So when they moved up, they 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 the army had a good chain of command. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So being that you guys are, you know, in, 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 I think four or five locations and adding another one and adding another one. Right. When you look at, um, the supply chain and this is where I'm, I'm naive. Is it kind of like, Hey, what's already happening in the industry is pretty standard. You get them, you put them on a truck, you, you'd have partnerships with, with the retailers and, and the grocers, or did that take some reconfiguring and breaking some some historical habits in the industry to to look at your supply chain, look at software, mm-hmm. I don't know RFID systems tracking. What what are you guys doing different from a supply chain you, side? You know, when it started, uh, Brave Farm started very simple with one farm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and I will say we had some strong retail partners who early on took some lumps with us as we were learning, mm. uh, you know, a chain called McCaffrey's outside of Philadelphia was a big, know it well, it's actually three uh, miles down the road. You know, they, yeah. they were there from the beginning and then giant, uh, part of the Ajo Delhaies was a huge partner for us in the beginning. And both of both of them are still customers, great customers of ours and helped us learn, helped us grow, uh, and, and, you know, took off some of the weight of us with the risk in the mm-hmm. beginning. Uh, and now that we've, we've grown in size, we're able to keep up. We've moved to a different kind of relationship where hey, they put in an order and we supply it. In the beginning, we were shipping them everything we had. Uh, and so I think having, having strong customer partnerships has, has been a big part of how Bright Farms got started and something I see as important in the future. And these are the, peop- these are the, the companies and the people who take care of the shelves. And so if we take care of them, they'll take care of us. Um, but from a supply chain standpoint, when you grow from one farm to many, mm-hmm. um, it becomes harder to cross pollinate ideas mm-hmm. and practices. So we've had to build the processes and systems of the bright farms way of doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so some of it, so we make it rep, you know, replicable, like my, my head of operations, he can't go to every farm every week anymore. Like he used to, 
Um, one thing that we've been working on over the last year is a new operating system, a platform called Bright OS. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've taken it out of Excel and we moved everything to the cloud and it's our central nervous system. Yep. So we can see how all the crops are doing from, from anywhere. Um, we can see how the harvest is going and it really allows us to have one place to look at information and give feedback. And so that's been, that's been a big thing for us is how do we make the model of one farm replicable, did I say that right? Replicable. Uh, across the country as we go. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, we're, we, we have a vision of, of people of, you know, 50% of the lettuce coming from indoor farms. And so right. it's a big shift and it's going to happen quickly. Yep. And we want to be the biggest player in that. So we need to prepare ourselves that, you know, as we're hiring hundreds of people a year, mm-hmm. we're training them, we're bringing them on. Uh, we have to have the systems that they can come in and, and, and be successful. Um, you know, another thing that, that reminds me of was, is just having the right people, right. Uh, hiring people. And we have a, an apprentice program for our growers. So we hire a lot of growers, whether they be out of agricultural schools, mm-hmm. um, or if they're working in other kinds of parts of the industry, we bring them on, we make them an apprentice for a couple of years, and then they go on to become a head grower. And that's been another piece of, that we've been really focused on is how do we grow local farmers in each community? Uh, so, you know, some of its systems and, and some of its people. I, I think that when you look at all the different areas you guys are having an impact, starting with the consumer, like let's get them something that's healthy, doesn't have pesticides, um, you know, innovating, developing local jobs, keeping things local, right. um, having a much less foot, like kind of footprint on, on our earth and, and reducing the impact there. I mean, you guys are, are kind of checking just about every single box. Has that been helpful from an investment perspective? Has the investment community really embraced um, what you guys are doing on, on that side? Yeah, there's a lot of investment coming into indoor ag. Mm-hmm. I think it's over half a billion dollars over the last 12 months. Uh, actually, a billion dollars over the last 12 months have come into um, controlled environment agriculture. Um, you know, certainly we're in, we're kind of at the forefront and I think, you know, there's a lot of interest in, in, in the space, but for us, we keep our focus on the, on the, on the job at hand. Mm-hmm. We have a great investor behind us in Cox Enterprises who thinks long-term and mm-hmm. they're thinking about generational change and sustainability. So I think we've partnered with, with, with good people who are willing to invest the capital. I mean, it's expensive to build these farms. Right. Um, and so you need people who think long-term. And, yep. and so we've been fortunate about that. You know, it, once you build the farms and you operate them, you know, we, we have a way where we make them profitable, uh, you know, but you have to put the capital in and it's a long-term thing. Um, but for, for, for the environment, Joe, I mean, we use 80% less water uh, than, than field grown, 90% less land and 95% less ship, uh, shipping, uh, shipping fuel, no pesticides. So you think about the environmental impact for our kids and our grandchildren. It's, I think it's going to be amazing, you know, and, you know, someday we'll be in the Salinas Valley, Valley and it'll be back to nature. You know, I mean, oftentimes we hear a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of negative news. Don't have to go far to find negative news, but in all honesty, I've been really encouraged when I do talk to CEOs like you, or I go to Natural Products West and and see a lot of the, the efforts that are going into building, you know, like innovating in soil and, and I, I, I think we could pull this off as, as a human nation, like as, as humans, it's not going to be easy, but it's it's possible. Um, so being that said, I mean, oftentimes it's, it's a sales job, 
right? Like we need yeah. to get people to buy in who wouldn't normally think about this innovation to buy into eating healthier, buying locally, doing jobs they maybe hadn't thought about. How much has your your job as a marketing executive selling consumer brands at at uh, at Dannon impacted and bringing that marketing component to what you guys are doing and how's that helped? That's an interesting question, you know, on a couple of levels. I mean, personally, I, th- I think it's helpful. You know, you, you, you learn how to, com- you know, to listen and find out what people are looking for and deliver it for them. You know, the key thing of a marketer, I think, isn't to shove something into somebody. It's to, it's to hear what they want and find mm-hmm. a way to deliver it. Um, and I think with what we're doing, you know, if, if, I, if we only went out and talked about how this is good for climate change, there'd be a group of people who are interested, but not everyone, you know, and I think if it's beyond that and you're talking about creating local jobs, uh, a better product, healthier, you know, restoring the earth to, for, you know, for fishing and hunting, all kinds of things you can do. Uh, it becomes a bigger story uh, and a bigger and bigger reason to invest behind um, cleaner agriculture. Um, you even think about most people in America don't eat enough fruits and vegetables, you yep. know, and, and if we could get people to eat more fruits and vegetables, We'd be healthier, and we'd spend less on healthcare. That's Our right. military would have better readiness. There's all these all these things that come out of having cleaner, fresher salads. Oh, I mean, the obesity it's, and, it's and diabetes issue in this country is out of control. It's out of control, and nobody wants to talk about it. But it starts yeah. with, you know, exactly what you're doing there, and and making it more readily available, making it more affordable. That's another big piece about. You know, and we didn't talk about this, but when we talk about the missions of Bright Farms, and, and I think a lot of other companies are looking at food this way: is how can we make it available and, and democratize it, make good food, healthy food mm-hmm. available to everyone? And so, one of our big challenges is how do we offer our product at a price point where everybody can afford it? Right. Um, you know, we're working on it right now. A clamshell of our of our greens is equal in price to organic. Um, coming from from the West Coast, which I think is pretty good. I think right. I think we're we're, we're doing well. But we want to even do better, um, right. and I think making it accessible, making it at the right price point, those are things that we're working on. Um, I don't know if that's in line with your question of, of how do you market it, but how do you get it so that everyone can join in? I think it's important. Is it fair to say as more people buy your product and buy organic, it should drive the price down because it can scale better, or is that not necessarily accurate? I think it's accurate. the The larger, you know, you know, we know the larger that we can build our farms, you know, the fuller the trucks are, mm-hmm. um, the the better the economics are for us, and more we can pass back to the customer. So it's definitely true. Fair um, enough. You know, in the, in the early days when they started this company, and even today to some degree, as you bring on a new customer, you know, the trucks aren't full, so you're paying for a full truckload. You're burning more oil. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the bigger your farm is, you might you don't have as much overhead. All these things that come with scale means that you can pass on some of the some of the savings to to the to the end user. Talk about how the need I, I like to, to identify um, this demand occurred and how much how important the role of like a McCaffrey's and Giants played in 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 this process. Yeah, I mean. I think it's hand in hand. It's a partnership. You know, Paul had, Paul had the vision. Um, he, he built a strong team here, uh, including Abby Pryor, who's another Penn Stater, Joe, All right. uh, who heads our marketing and sales, mm-hmm. you know, and like her vision was always to, to sell, to, to, to create a partnership 
and that you know Giant, for example, is always looking to source products in Pennsylvania and to grow locally. Uh, and and for a long time, we were growing for them out of our Virginia farm, and they kept saying, "Hey, build a farm in Pennsylvania. We're going to fill it for you. We're you know we want you to come here to to our home state." And so, you know, with that knowledge, we invested behind Pennsylvania. We built a, a farm in Pennsylvania, our largest one. And I think just starting the business with people, getting to know them and feeling at ease to put a lot of money behind infrastructure, you move forward. And now, you know, we're really in the same place. They, 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 they support a lot of homegrown agriculture in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. We're, we're one of the companies they support. Um, and so we're, we're lined up in the same direction. That's great. Awesome. Steve, this has been good. So the next phase of the interview, since you actually listened to some of these before, is, is what we call the transparent <laughs> 10, which is my favorite part. It's a lot of fun. So I'm just going to fire some questions. First things that pop right. in your head, you reply back with, all right? Okay. Hit me up, Joe. So your your most proud achievement? My most proud achievement, I said professionally, it's that I kept our, our company and our team going during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really proud of what my team did. Uh, we kept growing the business and kept kept everyone safe. Uh, and it, it was a challenge for everyone. Definitely was a challenge for us. So I'm Something really you love to do. Uh, watch Penn State football. All right. Something you hate to do. Uh, assemble Ikea furniture. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that one. That could be the best answer I've ever heard. <laughs> guilty pleasure. My guilty pleasure is ice cream. I love oh, it. Ditto. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? Uh, I'm a mint mint chocolate chip. All right. Favorite band? Bittersweet mint, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so to be specific, yeah. favorite band? I'm a Avid Brothers fan. Favorite movie? The Big Lebowski. Oh, nice. Favorite this vacation? Russian will not stand there. <laughs> Listen, I like a white Russian. People make fun of me for drinking white Russians, <laughs> but it's like the Big Lebowski drinks it. Why can't I drink it? You know? It's got to be cool. Yeah, yeah. Favorite vacation? Um, I'd say all of them. Um, I like going with my family. My daughter and I went to Yellowstone once. That was uh, a fantastic vacation together. That is so, something you, know. you suck at in business. Uh, I, I'm not always the best at politics and managing up. It's not my favorite thing. <laughs> Which, as a CEO, I'm sure you're learning something you're great yeah. at in business. A building, I'd say building and motivating the team. You know, I, I, I love doing that. I love building teams. All right, so I'm going to add an extra question. What was your favorite Penn State bar? My favorite Penn State bar, um, the Rathskeller. What once was. What once know. was. I know. And what is your big vision for I like the, the food I remember industry? the brewery, too. I like that bar. I yep. just tend to remember that. It was a good one. Yeah, those are some good dive bars. So yeah. last question, what's your big vision for the food industry? Um, my vision for the food industry is to bring back fresh local uh, pesticide-free produce across America. I love it. I love it, man. I, and, and it's so important what you guys are doing. Uh, I, I'm, I'm like honored that we reconnected and have these That's conversations. Great. We're checking in with each other. Let me know, of course, if there's anything I can do for you. But, but Steve, um, it, it's an honor to have you here today. And um, uh, to our audience who's listening, stay transparent, everybody. Thanks, Joe. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Getting Transparent, brought to you by Tag One. Please subscribe to receive notifications for future episodes and visit us at www.tagone.com.